0: Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. The Magic Five, custom-fitted goggles that are tailor-made for your exact face. You shouldn't feel like you're wearing any goggles. Use code brethawk 20 at checkout to receive 20% off. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com Swim Angelfish Receive the tools and skills needed to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions. With Swim Angelfish. Go to swimangelfish.com. Superior Swim Timing. Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop. SST is fully compatible with high tech, Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Superior Swim Timing.com. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching you swim live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Welcome to Swimming's Best Talk Show. Gonna learn all the things that
1: Brett Hawk knows. As he has a chat with his guests about what it takes to be the best. But the sport's about more than just best times. It's winning the battle against your mind. So listen in and let's take a dive with Brett Hawk as we go inside.
0: All right, here we go. Ariane Titmus. welcome to the podcast. How are
1: you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Welcome back to Civilization. You guys were stuck in quarantine there for a couple of weeks after the Olympics. That must have been pretty tough to have the success you had and then fly back into a quarantine.
1: Yeah, it was really tough. I mean, I knew personally I would struggle with Howard Springs. Um, I like my nice things at home and I enjoy um, my yummy food and that type of thing. So having to go through two weeks in um, Howard Springs In our tiny room with our little balcony was tough but um, we got through it
0: and it looked like they were delivering food to you did you get to select at least what you could eat that day
1: no no selection and I have a few dietary requirements as well so I um, am gluten intolerant and I don't really I try to avoid lactose as much as I can and so they like weren't really catering to that so I ended up bit stitched up there um <laughs> but they did fix it a little bit by the end when i said you know like can i please have some a little bit better food like a bit more effort put in and they started to improve it um but it, yeah we got one delivery of food every day um cold breakfast cold lunch and then a warm dinner and it was all right like we didn't starve so that was good
0: now just off camera you did tell me you're eating a little bit of chocolate did they at least give you some chocolate out there
1: <laughs> uh they gave us a few bags of chippies and um snacks and stuff like that but we at least we had like um grocery delivery so we could get some of that delivered in so i was eating a little bit of chalky in quarantine
0: yeah nice good stuff well listen um first up congratulations massive effort at the games uh it was just incredible to watch you. Uh, I had a lot of fun um, sitting here commentating some of that stuff. It was uh, it was great racing. Congratulations!
1: Thanks. I actually saw your uh, video on my four hundred freestyle. <laughs> I was like, geez, I didn't really have much faith in me there at the halfway point.
0: <laughs> we really didn't, did we? Uh, well, I didn't anyway. Clemmy did You know, Michael Clem was like, she's gonna she's gonna back in this. She's gonna come home. And I'm, and, and I had look, I don't know you as well as the Australians know you. They've been watching you for years. So I've seen bits and pieces of you for sure. But, um, I got to tell you, look, I mean, everybody knows how great Katie Ledecky is. She's been so dominant for so long. Um, and I guess when you give somebody like that a lead, it's, it's never a good thing, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but you seem to work some magic with it. And, uh, you know, just incredible the way you back end your races
1: yeah i I would never have thought that I would have gone one fifty eight, one fifty eight in a four hundred freestyle. I mean, a few years ago when I, I guess I set the goal originally, just try and swim under four minutes, you've got to try and learn to race a four hundred with no fear. and that's when you start to try to teach yourself to go out quickly. And so once you kind of nail or not nail, but try and get that bit of the race under wraps, then you try to practice doing that with a great back end. So to be able to even split a 400, um, I never thought that I would be able to do that. So I was proud of that.
0: I also will say, you know, I try and be a little bit partial. I don't try and show favoritism necessarily anywhere. And I, and I add a little bit of drama, but, um, you still took me by surprise at the way you swam it. Look, it's one thing to talk about winning the Olympics and it's another thing to do it. You know, um, massive pressure in that 400 to to do what you did. Now you, you've obviously had success at the world championships in 19 winning that race, but, um, but the Olympics is just a different stage. Did you feel the difference between the world championships and the Olympics?
1: Yeah, I did. And I think going into worlds in 2019, I don't think I thought that I could win. Um, I definitely was going there to, you know, be as, try and be as close to Katie as I could, but I didn't think going into the meet that I would, um, have you know a good shot at taking out the gold but turns out that you know that meat worked in my favor um but then definitely after that swim I think the expectation rose and people were jumping on the the Katie versus me kind of bandwagon and um especially at home here it was a massive story going into Olympics I think it was a hugely anticipated race and I definitely felt the pressure of that um but I felt like I could contain it quite well like I tried to use it to my advantage and use it to you know create energy and nerves and help me swim fast and um, yeah I definitely felt the difference going in I felt like the relationship between Katie and I probably was more different at this meet it was like we both had this respect for each other you know she probably knows now after the work that she's gone through what I had to go through to you know get up to try and catch her so I think we just had a great respect for each other and I really noticed that
0: I want to dig into something I've been struggling all day to figure out how to ask this. But, um, when I look at you, this is is the best way I'm going to put it. (laughs) When I look at you, I don't see anything physically imposing. Like I don't look at you and think to myself, wow, that's why physically she's so much better than everybody else. Yeah. I look at you and I just see a strong woman, you know, but, but in terms of what you did and what you do, I mean, it's extraordinary. You're you're not like anybody else. You're not even like Katie Ledecki. I mean, you're you're abnormal for the abnormal. You know what I mean? <laughs> like when you split your races, you split it unlike anybody else. You come home over the top of everybody. Like I'm looking at your splits here, for instance, like you said, the the um the 400, there was a half a second differential. The rest of the field, including Katie Ladecki, was over two and a half seconds differential between their their first 200 and their second 200. In the, in, the, in the 200 free, it's very similar too. You you went out in 55.8, come back in 57.6 for kind of a 1.8 second differential there. Everybody else was over three seconds. So basically what I'm trying to say is like physically, I don't see the, anything like crazy special that stands out, but there is absolutely something special about you. Do you, do you know what it is?
1: I think that um- – I've always known that I've had a great engine. Um, Growing up, when I my previous coach, Peter Gartrell, um, was a distance freestyle coach. And from the age of 13, when I joined him, I was doing massive kilometres in the pool. Um, You know, he just got the work into me and I loved it. Like I thrived off of it and I was doing it on my own as well down in Tassie. And I think that really just built up this system inside of me where, you know, Dean said that once... Once I get moving, I can just kind of keep going. Um, and I guess my engine, I, I've tried to transform it into something that's now got a bit more speed um, and it, use my anaerobic system a bit more but also try and keep the grits of it with my back end. And um, I think that's something that I've tried to really use to my advantage. Um, yeah, I'm not physically, like you said, like I'm not the biggest person. Um, I've definitely got a lot stronger and I really worked on my strength um, to help me over the shorter distances um but i i think it's my engine inside of me um yeah I, i that's all i can really put it down to
0: i mean it's a fair explanation i i i think that's a huge factor for sure the engine for sure but there's also this obviously um psychological ability that you have to overcome things in in practice first of all and then on race day, you know, to be able to manage nerves and put yourself in a position to be successful and then to have the nerve to be able to hold back on somebody like Katie Ledecky and then know at some point you're going to come over the top. I mean, I was going nuts. I couldn't contain myself with how you were coming home all of a sudden. It was like, where the hell is this coming from? But inside you, you must have known that was coming, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, watching the race back now, I can see why people were You know, doubting me. I didn't know that I was that far behind when I was in the race. Thank
0: you, thank you. That was (laughs) (laughs) me.
1: But at the 200 mark, I kind of felt like I was right there, like in within enough reach of her. And I knew as soon as I pushed off on that fifth lap that I kind of had to put my foot down a bit more. And not at one point did I think that I couldn't do it. That's the whole race is pretty much in the. All my races are pretty much a blur now, but. The one thing I remember especially from the 400 was I never doubted myself in the race. I 100% thought that I could still win from being behind. And on the last lap, I remember Katie and I were both breathing away from each other and I had no idea where I was. I did not know that I was in front. And I just remember at the end of that race, for some reason, I could just – my legs just kept going. Like they – I didn't really feel like I was falling off and – It's a surreal feeling at the end of a 400 to be able to come home at a 28 and um, finish off a race like that. And, like, the 200, I didn't feel like that. Like, as the 400, I felt like myself kind of begin to die a little bit, whereas the 400, I just had this unbelievable finish. And um, I don't know whether it was the adrenaline or just my race plan, but, um, yeah, I just had this incredible last 100 and uh, I guess I did the work for it.
0: Yeah. I, I read a, a quote or I heard a quote where you said, I've never been the most talented person, but I was all, I've was. i always been able to find something in training. And then obviously that translates into being able to find something in racing. So how have you noticed that manifest over time in training? Like wh- what do you mean by I've always been able to find something?
1: Well, every coach I've worked with I've always, has always said that I've been a really tough worker. And even Dean has, you know, told me that he's never seen someone when I'm when I'm at my best, um, be able to push myself beyond what other people can do. I feel like I can just kind of try and find that little bit extra. Um, I don't know what it is. It must just be my makeup or my mentality, but I feel like, um, I really enjoy that feeling in training of being able to push myself beyond what I thought I could do. And, I think having someone like Dean push me as well um, makes it fun, makes it enjoyable being able to push the boundaries and be satisfied with things you can do in training. So I think over the years I've just tried to set goals for myself and um, at the end tr- at the end of a set try to do something that I didn't think I could do under the circumstances, you know, at the end of training. So I think that's something that's kind of contributed a little bit. Um I don't know. I just always loved working hard. Like, it's just something I've prided myself on. I, uh, I've, yeah, as you said, like, I never thought growing up I was the most talented. I was very petite. I had no strength. And when I was first started swimming, I was definitely well at the back of the pack. But I always know I tried my best. And as you become more in tune with the sport and yourself as an athlete, you know when you can and can't push. And, um, I think I know in training when to push myself. And I think that that's something that's really helped me.
0: I want to dig into um, the relationship with you and Dean a little bit here in a second, but just in terms of how it came about, I mean, you're living in Tasmania, you're 14, 15 years old, you're, you're like you said, you've got a pretty good relationship with the coach down there, you're doing a lot of yardage, you're, you're obviously probably getting some success because you like to work, so why make the move, why change?
1: So at the time, um, yeah, I was with Peter Gartrell, my previous coach, who was based in Queensland, and he came down to Tassie to try and like shift the culture a little bit and um, he was a very tough, hard taskmaster. The first session he did with our group when he came in was straight off the bat, 10 400s. Mm-hmm. and this was a squad that hadn't clocked over 35k in a week ever. So for him to come in and do the first session, 10 400s, half the group dropped off and stopped swimming. So. He just knew that it wasn't going to be something that he'd be able to do and within 12 months he said look i'm just going to have to move back to queensland and i think that it'd be wise if you followed me so we did i followed um peter up to brisbane and i trained with him out of brisbane pretty much on my own for the first 12 months um which was really challenging doing those long caves by yourself as a 15 16 year old girl like it's tough
0: mm. and so
1: then you know after that I decided you know I need a change I need to be in a squad in an environment where I can be around people that push each other all the time and convene in a high performance environment and so that's when Peter and I decided um you know to part ways and we both thought it would be the best idea to reach out to Dean at St Peter's um obviously St Peter's has an unbelievable age group program and high performance program and at the time Dean was the best option for me and I met with him and everything we kind of spoke about aligned and um, I pretty much started straight away and within a week or so, everything just clicked. Like we've always just had this great, um, I guess, love for swimming that we've bonded over and um, we just have always worked really well together.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I like that. So, tell me more about that then. Like what are the things that kind of you were looking for that clicked and and what are the things that you still have with Dean that, that are things that are, were there from the beginning?
1: Yeah, so I think coming from a distance swimming program with Peter, I wanted to go somewhere where I'd be pushed as well and mm. I knew that Dean was tough. And I think since knowing Dean, I realised the reason why he's such a tough coach is because I think that, I don't know whether he would admit this or not, but maybe he wanted to get more of him, more out of himself as a swimmer. And I think he doesn't want any of his athletes to regret, you know, retiring and not pushing themselves and getting their full potential out of them as an athlete. So I think that's why he pushes us so hard because he wants us to be our best that we can be. And then I don't know what it is for Dean, but I don't know if it's our personality type or um he said to me a few times, you are what I was when I was a swimmer. You are the animal that I was. And I think that's why we work so well, because of the trust that, you know, the program that he creates for us, he knows that I will 100% do it to the best of my ability. And I think having that trust in each other as coach and athlete makes the um, partnership work the best it can possibly.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if he he told you, but uh, Dean and I were actually competitors against each other um, back in the day.
1: <laughs> I think he has mentioned it. was he a psycho i i
0: think so i think I think I beat him um quite often, but uh, no, I'm kidding <laughs> it's probably 50 50 but uh no, he was a psycho yeah he was a little he was a little wild um you know i think uh I think he's learned to tame his wild side maybe maybe not um <laughs> when he see. needs to yeah exactly but um Listen, he, 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 I read another quote where he said in, in 16, you know, you obviously started to devise this plan of like, okay, where can we go from here? So in, in 16, he said you were 16 seconds off, Katie. Um, in 17, you were eight seconds off. In in 18, you had this big breakthrough at the Commonwealth Games and you're about four seconds off. And then uh, by the end of the year, you're about three seconds off. And then obviously in, in 19, you finally beat her. Was Was this... Was this always about Katie? Because Katie was always so far ahead. Was was it always about her or was it just about improving yourself?
1: This was never about Katie, really. I mean, initially when I joined Dean, it was just to crack onto the Australian team. At the time of the Rio Olympics, I was in Hawaii racing at the Junior Packs mm. and I got a bronze medal there in the 400 freestyle, and it was the first time I had some under 4'10". And she was, meanwhile, at the Olympic Games, breaking world records, swimming 356. So never at the time that I possibly think that um, my goal is to beat Katie Ledecky. And so I guess as I we keep chipping away um, and my time started to drop, it, you know, we set new goals. And 2017, the goal was to go to the World Championships. And I, I did that. And that was the first time that I got to be in the field with Katie and... Um, it was really exciting for me to get to see her for the first time because me at the time, I was looking up to a superstar and Mm. I was just so excited to be in the race with her. And then I guess 2018 Com Games, I was swimming around that four minute mark and I kind of had a breakthrough on the international stage winning um, three gold medals. And um, so that kind of got this belief inside of me that, you know, maybe I can go to the Olympic Games and be on the podium, um, that type of thing. And then it wasn't until 2019 when um, people started to try and forge this rivalry between us. And I guess our times were getting closer and closer together. And I don't think it was until after I beat her for the first time that it was, you know, to win at the Olympics, I have to beat Katie Ledecky. So I think that's when I started to really um, think about the gold medal and know that she was the one person, I guess, cliche standing in my way um but yeah it was never really about katie ledecky from the start it was just trying to improve myself as an athlete and then just happened to end up you know she would be my competitor
0: nice i like that answer good stuff i, I, I appreciate that one um <laughs> you swam the 200 the 400 and the 800 so where where do you feel the most comfortable is it the 400
1: yeah, I think the 400 is definitely my favourite. I think my training is more tailored for the 400 and then I branch out to little speedy bits here and there for the 200 and then I do more of Ks for the 800. I mean, definitely I feel like the 800 is my limit. I think um, I am more suited probably to the 200 and the 400, but um, I could still put together, I think, a, a great eight, 800. So I definitely will continue racing that race. Yeah. Um, I find the 200 the most fun. I mean, I find it a sprint for me and I, you know, love coming down and racing the fast girls. I think it's a really exciting race for me because especially this year, there's this incredible field of girls and I felt like leading into the Olympics, anyone could have won the race. So I find the 200 very enjoyable. Um, the 400, though, I think it's most special to me. I think I have put the mo- most work into that event and, um. Yeah, that's my favorite.
0: How do you balance the three then throughout the week? I mean, if you're you're now Olympic champion in the 200 and 400 and then you you almost won the 800, so how do you balance the different styles of training because they're three completely different races?
1: Yeah, so I think for the 800, I've got so much work behind me that from when I was younger as well, that that definitely is still in the bank. And then at the beginning of every season, um, you know, you do a massive lot of Ks for your aerobic system, which I think builds up that base for the 800. And then during the season, um, the sessions that I do, I guess, are more tailored to the 400 and the 800. And then as we get closer to racing, I think I pop into more of that speedy type of thing to, help my 200 but I think the work that I do for the 400 100% helps my 200 because you need to be for the 200 and the 400 especially fast and extremely fit and so I think the work that I do for the four is the reason why my 200 back end is um you know great I mean me going out in a 55 technically is one second off my um 100 meter freestyle pb so it's a lot harder for me to go out in a 55 than Say someone like Siobhan. so that's why I think that middle distance freestyle work I do um, helps with the back end.
0: Yeah, interesting that. Um, I, I bet the two hundred freestylers, like the true two hundred freestylers, hate you. You know because you just like it's kind of it's kind of like a fun event for you, and then you come down and whip everybody's butt. Um, <laughs> were you surprised with how well you did this year in the two hundred? I mean, you you weren't that far off the world record.
1: Yeah, I think that. Um, there's been some work that I've done over the past couple of years where I, Dean and I have just been puzzled why I hadn't been able to crack that 154 sooner. Um, it's a race where I feel like it can be hit and miss and you've just kind of got to put it together on a certain day and you might just end up with this great swim. And so at trials when I went 153.0, I felt like that was a long time coming. Um, and, you know, I obviously didn't go as quick at the Olympics, but... I felt like 153 should have been within my realm, um, you know, in 2019. I felt like I was doing work leading up to that meet where um, that should have been in my, you know, I should have been 153 then. So I think that um, I didn't, I wasn't unexpected with how I swam this year. I think that I had full confidence that I could swim as fast as I did.
0: I don't know how to coach anyone to go 153. I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you. I've coached for many years, and I I, I have no clue. I've never seen a woman go 153 speed in practice. I mean, I've seen a lot of women go 158, maybe 157 at best. But like to see a woman going 153 is just outworldly for me. Like, what does that look like? What? How do you know that you're on that type of pace in practice? Like, what are the what's a set or a set that? you're doing that gives you that type of confidence
1: i think the confidence is like if you're doing repeat 50s or repeat 100s where you can keep at this really fast pace like for um long periods of time i think that that gives you the confidence i mean for me when i first joined dean i had no speed and so i'd be happy to be able to at the time push a 50 and crack 29 and do a 28 and now Mm. like when I'm at my best um you know I can be pushing 26s often so as a 400 swimmer I feel like that's good speed so um when I get down and do the 200 work um I knew that I had confidence in myself to swim 153 because I was able to be up with those girls in my squad that are 100 meter swimmers so I think that was the confidence that you know that I built what do you mean
0: pushing 50, uh, 26s? I mean, that's that's fast, but I mean, like, repeatedly, like, how many times do, uh, do you push 26s and what kind of interval are they on? Like, talk to me.
1: <laughs> Dean definitely likes to keep these things secret.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Don't give me too much then. But, I mean, are you, are you just able to do that multiple times? Yeah, I mean,
1: if, like, um, you might do a set of, like, 24 fifties on 130, and I think my best is to go 20 26s. So, Mm. um, yeah, when I was doing, it definitely hurts. But when I do things like that, um, that gives me confidence.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. That that is um, mind blowing. 20 26s out of 24 fifties on 130 long course. That that's moving. Yeah, I guess that would give you confidence to feel like you. (laughs) go 153 in the 200 uh, I haven't seen any woman do that so I need to come down to Australia and check it out but um how's your relationship with uh, Emma McKeon you know she's obviously you know someone who's very competitive in that event as well you guys get on well
1: yeah I love Emma um I've been great friends with Emma for a long time she was my on my first long course trip away in Budapest she was my roommate So since then we've kind of um, stayed really close friends and it was so exciting for me to see Emma do well. I remember um, after the medley relay when the girls won, they all walked around the back and I remember we had this really nice moment I went up to her and we both just started crying because we were both just so proud of each other. I think that for her the meet that she had was a long time coming. I think she's worked so hard and... um, for her to see the success that she had, I was just so happy for her, like genuinely over the moon um, that she achieved what she did. And I think it was really special to, I guess, share that with her um, and be on the team with her. You know, it's an unreal thing to be on the same team as someone to, to win seven medals at the Olympics. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful for the friendship that I have with her.
0: It seems to me that somebody as mentally tough as you and, and physically as strong as you would do well training with the guys. Like, do you have a, group, a good group of guys in your group that push you every day?
1: Yeah, well, um, in the past year, Elijah Whittington's moved across to Dean's program, and so I've had him there doing the sessions with me. Um, he's obviously a lot faster than I am, but so I'm not quite up there with him. But it's just, like, good to have someone there kind of in the same boat as you um doing the same sessions it's just easier to get through it knowing that you know they kind of have the same goals and are going through the grind together but then also we've got some younger boys that are around that 16 17 age that are kind of like the perfect speed for me that push me in training and um love the work so that's been really good I think um lead up to these olympics
0: now, I also read a quote from Dean. I, I love this video, this will-to-win video that's out there. I've watched it about 20 times. I love the way you two interact. But um, something that Dean says on there is that, uh, you know, he goes pretty heavy and he, and he won't apologize for how the, the standards he keeps you to. What do you, what do you mean? What does he mean by that?
1: Well, I think Dean mentally and physically pushes me harder than anyone, and he will admit that. Um I think that what he means by that quote is that I can never relax. There's no point where I can just kind of let my mind go and um, relax at training. Um, He's always on to me. I can, you know, I've always got to be on my toes. And if you notice there's one thing slightly off, um, you know, I'll know about it. It's even down to like doing my shoulder rehab before training. You know, if someone says, (laughs) tries to talk to me and I'm not quite 100% concentrating on what I'm doing, like he'll let me know. So anything around my performance, um, you know, he makes sure that I'm doing it to the best standard possible. And um, I think that is that that's what that means.
0: Is it hard for you to be around other athletes who don't have the same kind of standard as you do?
1: Uh, Sometimes like it can be tough, Um, you know, in training, (laughs) I might be going better than some other people, but. Um, but to our standard, it's not good enough. Um, but, you know, when you look back on it, i got to take it as a compliment because he's always said to me the reason why he's hard on me is because he knows more than anyone what my potential is and he wants to get the best out of me. So if that means being pushed to the limit, then I'll take it, do whatever he can to get the best out of me. And um, I guess that's the understanding that we had. We we made a deal going into the Olympics that we would both do everything we possibly could, and we both knew that for me to swim my best, he had to push me to the absolute limit. So I just had to, you know, agree to that and and cop it. Some days I I really copped it, but it's just what I, I needed to get the best out of myself.
0: Why do you think um, some people have such a problem with that? I, I mean, I, I've seen stuff out there that, uh, you know, where, where people – think that that's a problem in some way like i think that's extraordinary i think it's exceptional and and i can see where you've um had this relationship that, uh, over a few years now that has helped you become so successful together so why do people have an issue with that
1: well some people don't understand i guess you know people out there can make comments on it when they don't see the full story right but the first thing is like this is high performance and also coming into these Olympics we just weren't in an event where you know you were trying to win Olympic gold. I was in an event where I was trying to take, take out what we believe is the goat in Katie. So to do that we had to push ourselves to the absolute limit and um if you know if people understood what work it takes, you know they I don't know whether they would comprehend it but some part of it may be jealousy, who knows? Um, but this is what high-performance sport is, you know. you got to work hard for it. And if if being pushed to limit and, you know, being battered down every day is what I need, then that's what I need to get the best out of myself. And um, if you don't like it, then, you know, don't comment on it. You're not the, the one being pushed. So that's what I say to that. And at not one point did I ever tell Dean, you know, stop, I don't, I don't want this. You know, I agree to this. I want to be pushed. I love it. I love feeling the pain of training. I love being pushed to the limit. So I think that's why he's the perfect coach for me.
0: Great answer. Great answer. Just (laughs) shut everybody up off the bat. Boom. I love it. Um, Did you guys, you obviously formulated a plan. Did you hit your goals? was 153 and 356. Were they the goals or was it? Uh, faster than that, slower than that? What was it?
1: So for the 400, um, I mean, it was obvious that we knew that Katie would 100% be at her best on her best. So we thought that it would take a world record to win the race. So my goal um, was to get the world record in the 400, and I believe that's what I would have needed to do to win. It didn't take the world record. Um, so, I mean, I guess we could say that's – an X to the 400 world record, but a a tick to the gold. Um, But, you know, Olympics is about racing and, you know, my time was fast enough on the day to win. So I'm not going to look back on that swim and call it a fail. Um, 100% the 200, you know, we thought after trials that Pellegrini's world record was in reach, but we knew that Olympic games is a whole different story. And, uh, you know, it's probably tougher to perform under the circumstances there. So, just to be able to get the win in both, um, I think we I think we achieve what we set out to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, gold is gold for sure. It doesn't matter what it takes, but yeah. you still swam extraordinarily fast. There was a lot of talk in America that um, you and the Australian team were not going to swim as fast as you did at the trials. Did you hear that talk? Did you sense that? Did you feel it? Uh, were you worried about that in any way yourself?
1: I don't think I heard any of that. I think maybe back here we kind of live in our little bubble and um, after seeing what people were doing at training camp in Cairns before we moved to Tokyo, I thought that we were in really good shape. Um, I knew that we'd be able to perform as a team and I think just the the close-knit group that we had, I think, worked really well together and I think that this was the best group we had going into a, te- into a meet. Um, I think... I believe that, you know, we had complete confidence in each other to perform and everyone was ready to go and I, I knew that we'd be able to do something special and I think a lot of people felt that. So I was not surprised at how we performed. I think that everyone that performed well was expected to and I'm happy that we were able to rise to the occasion and um, I guess do our job. What about
0: the um, five-week differential between the trials and and the uh, Olympics? Is that difficult for you as kind of a mid-distance, distance distance swimmer to manage um, that period of time?
1: I think it's probably easier for me personally because I don't particularly have to rest for trials because of my situation domestically. I mean, it probably would be tougher on girls that – really trying to itch to get on the team and, you know, close to that qualifying time, you would 100% have to fully taper for um, trials and then try to bring your workload back up and then come back down again. So I think that's definitely tough on a middle distance athlete because dropping your Ks is hard and then to bring it back up is even harder. So I think that would be challenging. But for me, um, I really like the five-week break if I don't have to completely rest for trials and just get the job done. Um, I find the transition back into wo- tough work quite nice and then uh, fully tapering for Olympics was such a nice feeling. I remember for trials I had three days while everyone was in this full-blown taper and it was hard to see, you know, everyone doing 3K and I was still up at 6 and 7. Um, so it was nice when I finally got to to drop down for Tokyo.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet, especially uh- – <laughs> Seeing someone like me, a sprinter, just taking a hot shower, <laughs> so that pissed some people off. But um, um, tell me this: did did the doubts ever creep in? Like, did you have days where, or moments where, you just thought you couldn't do it?
1: Definitely early on in the year. Um, I mean, it's definitely been out there about how I had a shoulder injury um, at the beginning of the year, and so I got. I got diagnosed with that late December and then I wasn't doing proper work um, until March and I definitely haven't been like had really a day up until I'd say a couple weeks out from the Olympics where my shoulder wasn't kind of lingering like there was something going on and then as the, my workload dropped as we head into Tokyo it just magically kind of everything came together but I definitely didn't have confidence in myself at the beginning of the year I thought, you know, I just want to get to the Olympics. I don't think I'm gonna have enough time to do what I need to do to swim with the best that I wanted. Um so, you know, missing out on all that pre-season work, which was usually my bread and butter, was really tough, having to on training camp watch my squad do all this work and I'd be on the side kicking or off in the gym doing something else. And that was really challenging. And I definitely doubted my ability then to get back in time but then I think the one moment where kind of the flick switched was when I raced at trials and it was the first time that I was able to race knowing that I had I think I'd done enough to be able to perform really well and then with the swims that I had at trials and seeing how I could put everything together I think that's when my confidence completely like skyrocketed and I had full belief in myself then but Up until that point, um, there were still lots of doubts whether I, you know, left it too late with the shoulder.
0: What about after trials? Was there a point where you were overconfident, you felt too good at times, where you had to pull yourself back down?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think that it was like a nice confidence, confident level. Um, You know, I think that extra confidence gives you the ability in training to kind of swim freely um yeah like I just felt the whole time very comfortable very calm not stressed at all and I think that um I just had great belief in myself and I think that's why everything kind of came together
0: how do you do the day of your race. I mean, I always struggled eating breakfast. Like I couldn't, I couldn't keep any food down type of thing on not keep food down, but I couldn't even eat. Like I felt sick the day of the Olympic games, you know, like I think the weight of it kind of hits you at some point where you're like, I'm at the Olympics, I'm racing the best in the world. I mean, this could change my life. You have all these crazy thoughts. Did you have those at any point?
1: <laughs> I mean, not really. Like this is what I don't yeah. really understand. So what I don't understand, like I always said to myself, you know, I'm going to get to the Olympics and my first Olympic final, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. I'm going to be more nervous than I ever was ever in my life. And the strangest thing was before my 400 final, it's probably the least nervous I've ever been at international meet ever. And I was so calm. It's like I forgot that I was at the Olympics. It was just like I was just there to swim. And I remember Dean said to me the night before my 400 or a couple days before, he said, just think about You're this little girl that dreamed of going to the Olympics and here you are and just forget about everything and all you have to do is just swim and that's all you have to do and you you know how to do it, so why are you nervous? And I think that just kind of stuck with me a little bit and I just knew that all I had to do before the 400 was just swim eight laps and um, I kind of forgot about everything and when (laughs) it sounds really strange but when I touched the wall and saw that I had won, it just kind of felt like another race like i kind of forgot that i was at the olympics um until you know the medal ceremony that kind of all hit me a little bit but yeah i just tried to like forget about everything and just swim and so i definitely wasn't the nervous wreck that i thought i would be
0: see i try to have i try and impart that experience onto my athletes now i coach bruno fratus and and uh, Bruno ended up getting the bronze medal in the 50. But um, one of the things I told him on the day of racing was just just go out and do what you know how to do. Like forget all the other stuff. Just go and race. You know, have fun. Smile when you walk out. Just enjoy the experience. And it sounds like you figured that out at your first Olympics in the biggest moment in 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 history. You know, coming up against the goat, like you said, you figured out just to be in the moment and relax and just do what you're trained to do. That is extraordinary, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how I I don't know how I did it, but I think also because of the relationship I have with Dean and how we kind of communicate really openly, um, talking to him about how I was feeling and him, you know, just going through the race and all the sets I'd done and um just, you know, going into the race, just keeping me calm, I think that really helped as well.
0: This is the last thing I'll say on on Dean in this. Uh, I think I'd get crucified if I just didn't mention it. But in terms of his celebration, how do you feel about it? I, I felt like – I'll give you my opinion real quick. I felt like he didn't fully realise the cameras were on him and he was just letting out. Like it was just an expression of just – I mean, I don't think people understand how much – coaches put into this as well like when you when you train you can go home and kind of switch off most coaches never turn off like it's always on they're always thinking they're always trying to figure out how they can get the best out of their athletes they they have sleepless nights they wake up early in anticipation and for me it looked like Dean it was just a release of energy is that how you felt about that whole incident
1: yeah I think you 100% hit the nail on the head I think every coach works hard and you're the one creating the program and trying to find new things to do. But I think Dean is, like, on another level. Like, he would tell me he would, like, wake up in the middle of the night like it was a bad dream, but he'd wake up thinking, oh, my God, how are we going to beat her? Like, how are we going to win? Like, just he'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking that. And for him, he said to me it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. Like, he'd kind of contained it for so long and then – it happened and he had this massive plan to win and it happened and yeah, your body just kind of takes over and he, he didn't really know what he was doing. And I don't think he knew the cameras were on him, but I love it. Like I I'd no way feel that he's taken my limelight or anything. Um, That's just who he is and he's worked so hard for this as well. So I'm happy that um he's finally been recognized for the work that he's put in
0: yeah thanks and again i appreciate you saying that i think that's important for people to hear from you um, that as well and and uh look look, the last thing i'll say is look i want him to get paid this man needs to get paid he needs to be the the top paid if not one of the top paid top one or two three top paid coaches in australia let's pay this man what he's due um (laughs) get it done uh for sure but um Let me move on from that and I'll just leave it as I'm a big fan, by the way. I love Dean. I think he's awesome. One of the things, um, you know, we were texting back and forth during the Olympics. He did say at some point you were suffering from fatigue. When did that kind of hit you?
1: So definitely, um, I was feeling it after the 200 when I went back to the village after the 200 final. I had nothing that afternoon and he said, okay, you can have the afternoon off because it was the first one I'd had off. And I remember just letting myself release and relax a little bit. I honestly felt like I'd been hit by a bus and I thought, how am I going to get up in the morning and, and do the the relay? Um, and I, I, I did the relay and it wasn't as fast as I wanted. And then I think – after that, it was really mentally challenging to keep on for the 800 heat. And then I had, I had a, I think, just over an hour in my room by the time I got back from the village after the relay final and had to leave for the 800 heat, just over an hour. So that's a really tough backup. So having to get up for that 800 heat was tough. And then the next day that I had to kind of, get my energy back up and um, refresh for the 800 final, it was tough to um, try and keep my head on and just focus at what I had to go. But I just thought to myself, you know, like all it is is eight minutes and as Dean said, just one more punch in the ring. He said, that's all it is. And I just tried to think of that and then I noticed how tired I was as soon as I finished the 800 and walked through the mix zone he was waiting for me at the warm down pool and I, I walked up to him and it's like my body knew and I just released and I burst into tears and I literally collapsed into him and um, it's like, you know, I was done and I could finally relax. But, yeah, it's tough. I don't think you realise how tired you are because you're just trying to keep your head on and focus on what's at hand. But, yeah, um, you know, you don't get much sleep and it's emotionally draining and I think definitely after the first two wins it was um, tough.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, it's crazy because, you know, in the US, it was nighttime for us. They kind of put it all around the US timetable. So when you would swim um, the finals, it was night, but that was the morning for you. So then I'd go to bed and I'd have about five hours sleep and I'd wake up and I'd turn the TV on half asleep and you guys be swimming again. So it was like five hours time. So you'd go, but, but for me, it was asleep, but for you, it was like morning Tonight, So it was like just this daytime period where you basically eat lunch and then have to go straight back to the pool again. So I don't think people fully realize that you guys weren't getting a full day's rest between kind of the finals in the morning and then the prelims the next day as well. It was a crazy schedule. Was that difficult for you? You know, um, was it hard to manage getting up for finals in the morning?
1: I felt not too bad in having to wake up in the morning and race fast. I tried to wake up a little bit earlier and get everything moving. I thought I would struggle more um, with that. But I think the hardest part was um, I'm definitely a napper, and usually I try to nap as much as I can in the day between, like, heats and finals. But with the time we had back in the village, it was hard to try and calm yourself down and have a snooze before having to leave again. So there was like between an hour and two hours sleep gone every day that I wasn't getting. Mm. Um, So I think that definitely caught up with me. Um, So I think that having it flipped is, is definitely a lot harder.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, um, how do you feel about the four by two? There was a little bit of controversy with the way it was put together, I guess, or the way it ended or I don't know. I mean, you guys ended up breaking world record. You ended up getting the bronze medal. Some people were upset with that because they felt like you guys should have won. Uh, I mean, it's the Olympic games. It's, it's a race, you know, there's no gold medals just handed out, but how do you feel about the performance?
1: I think that we do the, the best we could on the day. We had a great plan going into it. Um, and I think that, you know, if other teams hadn't, we can't control what any other team does. We did not know that the Americans and the Chinese were going to swim out of their skin. And, um, these unbelievable swims. So I think, you know, we still broke the world record and we are still bronze medalists at the Olympic Games. And who would have thought that all three teams on the podium would be under the world record? So you can't control what other teams do. And I think that our plan was solid and um, we did it to the best of our ability. And if the other teams hadn't have swum as good as they did, it still would have worked. It just You just can't control what other people do. And I know that we've had great depth in this country in the two hundred freestyle, and you know we had four different girls in the heat to the final. And I think that that plan was great. I think there's nothing against the plan we had, and we also set out for, you know, to front end our race for Emma and I to go out and try and get the lead. But um, you know, you can't you you can't predict what other people swim, and so I think that's just the way it is. Um, but I'm definitely not disappointed in our in our in our job. You know, bronze medal, the Olympic Games, underworld record. You can't really like complain.
0: Yeah, well said. Now, what about the 800? Were you encouraged by how well you did? Do you think like is this something that excites you for the future? Of the 800. It's like I'm glad I got that out. I'm done with that. But I mean, you were so close to actually winning that race. When I look at the splits here, I mean, uh, Katie was out in two minutes. You're out in 201, and then you both. Had similar splits, but you're it looked like your third 200. She, uh, she kind of outsplit you a little bit there, but then you you came back and outsplit her the fourth. I mean, do you feel like that's still an event where you've got so much room to grow?
1: Yeah, I still kind of feel like I'm learning how to swim the 800. I've never been the biggest fan of the race. I mm,
0: <laughs> definitely
1: yeah. couldn't go. I couldn't go longer than the 800. Um, but you know, for me how I was feeling physically and mentally at the end of the week to do a PB, um, I was over the moon. I think I was the only girl in the field to do a PB. Oh, that's what someone told me. So to be able to pull that out um, on the last day, I was so happy. And I knew that the 800 was kind of like Katie's race. Like this was the one that was hers to lose, I guess. So I was so happy to be silver behind her and just – um, I think that's the best swim I could have done on the day and yeah, it does, you know, encourage me, um, to keep going on with the race and trying to get better and better. Um, and you know, stay as close to Katie as I can.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, with the way that you had swam, you know, you'd won your medals, but I could tell there was fatigue setting in and, and then all of a sudden it was your longest swim. I, I really didn't pick you for that silver, um uh i mean by the sounds of it i didn't pick you for the gold either for the other races but i did i promise (laughs) Um, but um but yeah i mean it was a surprising swim but is this well tell me what what's the future hold for you like where do you just want to not think about swimming or are you at the point now where you're starting to think about swimming again
1: Oh, well, at the current time, I'm definitely not thinking about swimming. I mean, I know I've got Paris in three years and I know I've got World Championships and Commonwealth Games next year, but I need to really um, give myself a break. Um, mm. Over COVID, I didn't really have a break. Um, I haven't had a longer break than two weeks at once in my life since I was seven. So I think I really need this time to really refresh physically and mentally. I want to be able to go back to training ready to go and ready to be back in business and um do the work. So I'm gonna take as long as I need. You know, I'd like to have off probably till early October and then have about six months of like really tough work um before trials. And I think that should be enough. Um but at the time being I'm just trying to enjoy my time and off and relax and let my mind be at ease really.
0: Yeah. Well um look knowing Australian swimming and knowing Australia you're gonna be a superstar down there. You You did exceptionally well. Um, You speak so well as well. So that's going to go a long way with um, some of the things that are coming your way. But um, in terms of my last question, uh, have you had any contact with Sean Mendes yet?
1: (laughs) I wish. Oh, my gosh. My uh, best friend said to me, she goes, if he's ever going to know who you are, it would be now. Um, (laughs) But, you know, he's probably got better things going on in his life.
0: No, he doesn't. Let's get this going. Come on, we're gonna get some contact with Sean Mendez for sure. But um,
1: <laughs> yes, please.
0: Uh listen, uh I've really uh enjoyed this. Thank you. I feel like it's gone really quickly. I was super nervous before I didn't I I just didn't have any confidence that I was gonna be any good at this. But uh I appreciate how great you were. So thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for this. Um, I'm hopefully looking forward to interviewing your coach one day soon. So
1: well, that will be lots of fun, I'm sure. Uh, He'll love to.
0: Yeah, we'll pin him down. But uh, listen, I know you're busy. So thanks again. I appreciate your time. Enjoy your break. Uh, make as much money as you can and then get back to work, all right?
1: <laughs> That's the plan. Thank you.
0: <laughs> all right. Take care, hey? Bye.
1: Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out.